and do the things that we suggest, man, your life could change, literally. It really can. You know, if you go back and also go to our podcast where we have, you know, you can listen to the replay or you can go to the podcast. On the podcast, you know, you can see all the other calls that we've had, you know what I'm saying, and so you can listen to those also. And, um, you know, take notes. You can save, uh, you know, some calls and say, look, these are the calls I want, you know, new people to hear and things of that sort. So there's a lot of things you can do more creative with that podcast because once the replay is over, it's gone. By tomorrow, it's going to be gone. So, But it's going to always be on the podcast. And those are on Spotify, you know, Apple, iTunes, uh, Breaker. I was naming them the other day. But, uh, you know, we're out there. So go to it and then, you know, share it, man. If you if you like anything that you hear, share it with two or three people. It's, it's easy to share it. You can see it right there. I mean, I can share it. And I'm not I'm, – I'm not – I'm 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 technically or is it what well, I have no technical skills. <laughs> I'm really challenged when it comes to that. So but I can share it, you know what I'm saying? Also if you can leave a review. And if you leave a review, let me know you left one. Just send me a text. Hey, I I love a review, Tony. Just say something, you know, good about it. Uh that'll help help me out tremendously. So with the podcast, uh see it's going. But yeah, we, we really are gonna expand more and more. Um with that because I think that's a easier way for people can have access to what we're doing. A lot easier way that people have an access to what we're doing. Why is this computer this I just reloaded again and it's still doing the same thing. Why, why, why? See here, hold on a second. Let's try it this way. Come on, come on. Will it do it now? Okay, maybe it will. We'll see. All right. Um, this morning I want to talk about um, the book that we're going to start reading in our book club in two weeks. Now, I'm going to give you two weeks. I usually give you two days. So I'm going to give you two weeks to order this book. And uh, so that gives us time to finish the other book, which I really don't want to finish <laughs> because TNT, man, has been really – Man, TNT has been a great book, and you know, I, you know, so much stuff we could talk about. We're going to talk about some stuff on Saturday, and then next Saturday, and then we're going to come. We're going to start reading this book, which is uh, it's not a new book. We've read this book before, just like we had read TNT before. Because I, I remember um, Charlie Tremendous Jones. I got that clip. I need to find that clip too, uh, an audio clip that he that he did for me, and he's like, Tony, you're a book evangelist. If y'all don't know who Charlie Tremendous Jones is, y'all need to look him up. Google Charlie Tremendous Jones. This guy was well known. He's a he was an insurance guy, but he was into mindset, personal development, into books. He had this book club that he had, and we used to actually, I think in the, between 2005 and 2010, we used to order books uh, through my website, through his website, so you could get on on the Elite Team site, and then you would be able to order books through Charlie Jermenez Jones' site, and he had every book out here, man, that you name. So we, he used to call me once a month and said, Tony, your team is ordering a lot of books, man. He said, you're a book evangelist. He said, I want to let everybody know that you're a book evangelist. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to find that clip, look for that clip. But he always used to say, Tony, funny, what, what are you rereading? What are you rereading? He's all said all the time. You got to be rereading something. He says, "No, nah, it's, it's good to get new books, but what are you rereading?" And uh, so, this book and, and Charlie Tremendous has 
uh, Jones has passed on, so rest in peace. He, I think he passed about four or five years ago, maybe four years ago. Uh, but uh, so what are we rereading? And uh, this book is probably one of the people's favorites. You know, um, some of y'all who are new, it's a lot of new people that are, you know, calling in and a lot of new people on your team that probably hadn't read this. And uh, so, but if you're a real spiritual person, you might, <laughs> some of this stuff might bother you because <laughs> he kind of, he kind of, uh, you know, eh, might be some conflict in your mind with some of the stuff that's being said because he comes so truthful with it, you know, uh, in his opinion. And the book is called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. And, you know, and I tell you, it's it, he's having an imaginary conversation with the devil. Now, some people say he's having a real conversation with the devil. And, you know, we do that now. You know, when you're sitting alone, if you're having a real conversation with God, sometimes you're having a real conversation with the devil sometimes because you'll be wondering, where's this voice coming from? So, and, uh, and he held on to this for years because he didn't want it to come out because people, uh, you know, especially in, the, in I think he I think he had this book written in the twenties and never published it. And after he passed, they just came out with it and released it like ten years ago, I guess, some, something close to that, because they didn't want the the religious and spiritual community to to really, you know, crucify him uh, when he came out with it. That's why he wouldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? But but when you read it, you'll see. That you know, is he having an imaginary conversation, or is he actually having a conversation uh, with the devil? Because um, you know, y'all say that, and you know, in the, in the book, the devil saying that y'all always throwing his name up. Y'all keep him relevant. He said the church throws his name up a lot. He said I love that because y'all keep me relevant by doing that. You know how we blame everything on the devil? Is the devil falling? The devil? It's like I wouldn't even know where around. How <laughs> y'all blame me for that? <laughs> He said, but y'all, you know, he said, y'all keep me relevant, you know what I'm saying, just by throwing it up, you know. But uh, So I want to read something today from the book. Uh, this is in the middle of the book, so it's not in the beginning. But that's the book you should order. It's called Outwitting the Devil. It'll be a couple of weeks before we start reading it on the call, but you can get it right away and start reading it. Um, the Secret to Freedom and Success. Uh, and uh, that's Napoleon Hill and Sharon Lecter. L-E-C-H-T-E-R. So, you know, they probably got different covers and they probably updated different books. So as long as you get that book, I know they say, well, Tony, is this the one? Because sometimes people send me a picture and I'm like, uh, you know, they might have changed the picture of the book. They might have, you know, I posted, I posted on the Team page but and, uh, and in the plugged in page, but, uh, you know, might be, you might have a different cover because they, you know, change it up a lot. You know, you got to refresh, refresh everything. So, but um, the topic this morning is, um, let me see, I got to highlight it right here. Well, I'm going to start with this question. Where did he start at? See here. Oh, here it is. So he's he's talking to the devil. He's having a imaginary conversation or a real conversation. <laughs> so it's up to you to decide when you start reading the book. So he says, "What human fear 
what humans fear best serves your purpose? Which fear is it? You know, because there's seven different fears that he talk about even in the uh, in Think and Grow Rich. But he asks the devil, you know, which one is the one that serves your purpose the best? If people fear this the most, then, um, you know, it helps you more than anything else. And the devil responds, uh, the fear of death. He says, why is the fear of death your favorite weapon? He says, because no one knows, and by the very nature of the laws of the universe, no one can prove definitely what happens after death. He said, people say that. They read stuff. They, you know, they have stuff you know, in the Bible that says it, but no one really can prove definitely what happens after death. You know, you can say what you want to say, but by the nature, very nature of the laws of the universe, you can't be proven. He says, this uncertainty frightens people out of their wits. It frightens people out of their wits. You know, they, they won't get on planes. Some people won't drive in the car, you know, on highways. You know, I got my my, uh, my uh, uh, sister-in-law, she would, she'll fly anywhere, but she won't drive on the highway. Um, but the fear of certain things, you know, uh, and some people will not, fly anywhere and they won't they'll drive on the highway uh but people who give over their minds to fear he says any sort of fear neglect to use their minds and begin to drift so they start drifting he said eventually they will drift into the whirlpool of hypnotic rhythm and he talks about hypnotic rhythm throughout the book a lot from which they may never escape hypnotic rhythm you can you know google that since y'all are always googling things he says, so then do you mind what religious leaders think or say of you when they speak of death? You know, so he's asking the devil that. The devil's saying, no, not, not, a, not as long as they say something about me, as long as they say something. If the churches should stop talking about me, now that might cause me to receive a severe setback. If they just stop talking about me in church, they stop bringing up the devil, and they stop. Now, see, it's almost like how people say, um, any news is good. I mean, any um, not recognition, but anytime somebody talk about you, whether good or bad, it's good. You know, what I'm saying it's what publicity. Any publicity is good publicity. You know, you got a lot of rock stars and hip hop stars. They they're in agreement with that. If they can get their name out in public, whether good or bad, it's good because their name is still in front of everybody, and you still like Kanye West. You're still talking about it. You know, whether Kanye is doing something good or bad, you're still talking about it. As long as he can keep his name in the public eye, you know, he's good. And that's what the devil is saying to uh, to Napoleon Hill. He said, if these churches just stop talking about me, I'll receive a, I'll receive a severe setback. But no. He said, every attack made against me fixes the fear of me in the minds of all who are influenced by it. Every time you bring my name up, I put... It puts fear in anybody's mind who's influenced by it. He said, you see, opposition is the thing that keeps some people from drifting, providing they do not yield to it. He says, so, so Napoleon Hill says to him, since you claim the church's help instead of hindering you, tell me what give you the cause to worry in. What do you worry about? He said, my only worry is that someday, watch this, a real thinker may appear on earth. A real thinker may appear on earth. He says, what, what would happen if a thinker did appear? He says, the devil says, you ask me what would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. People will learn the greatest of all truths, that the time they spend 
Check this out. The time they spend in fearing something, you know how you fear talking to people? You won't pick up the phone because you so, you know, you won't inbox somebody because you're so worried about what they're going to say. The fear, that time that you spend fearing people would, if reversed, he said, give them all they want and anything they want in the material world and save them from me after death. Isn't that worth thinking about? So that time that you spend fearing, that time you spend, you know, I ain't going to say nothing to that person, I ain't going to talk to that person. If, if reversed and you didn't spend that time fearing, but you spent that time doing what you should be doing, everything will open up to you. Because, you know, I saw this quote that said that the, the biggest thing that's holding you back is that one particular fear. Whatever you fear, you got to do it. He says, so, so he has in quote here that the devil says the time they spend in fearing something would, if reversed, give them all they want in the material world. So then Napoleon asked him this question. What is keeping such a thinker from appearing in the world? He said the fear of criticism. The fear of criticism. You know, I got a video on YouTube. It's been out there for years, too. Um, I don't even know the name of it. But um, I talk about it was, a, it was at a network marketing training that I did, elite team training that I did, and I talk about uh, – the the first thing I think is I can't think of the title of it, but it's five different rejections that a person get in the beginning, and I talk about the first one is criticism, and that's the one that keeps most people back, and that's most people can't get past that one to win in anything in, in business in life or anything. When you're outside of the box, remember outside of the box thinking. When you're doing something that's outside of school good education, good job, you know, master's degree, Ph.D., part-time UPS, FedEx, you know, being at the biggest church and all that kind of stuff. When you're outside of that, outside of that box, and you start talking, the biggest thing that holds you back is criticism of, pe- of people in that box criticizing you uh, because you're outside the box. And all they're doing is criticizing you based on what they don't know because they don't know anything but the box. What I just mentioned, that's all they know. And so when you get that kind of criticism from people, it shuts, it shuts you down because, you know, it, it has something to do with your, your inner belief, your insecurities, your self-doubt, and you already have that. And then when some people start telling you that, then it's even worse. So he says the fear of criticism. He said it may interest you to know that the fear of criticism is the only effective weapon I have with which to whip you with. This is the devil talking. The fear of criticism is the only effective weapon I have which to whip you with. He says, if you are not afraid to publish, he was saying this to Napoleon Hill, if you are not afraid to publish this confession after, after you wring it from me, I will lose my earthly kingdom. So because he knew that Napoleon Hill was not going to publish this, this was in 1920 or 25 or 1930 or something like that. So that's what he was saying to him, you know, you ain't going to publish this. And he didn't. So, you know, <laughs> so whether he was imaginary or whether he was feeling it, you know, somebody was really talking to him, he said, man, I'm not putting this out here. He says, so So Napoleon Hill says, if I did surprise you and publish it, how long would it be until you lose your kingdom? He says, just long enough 
for one generation of children to grow up and to understand it. One generation of children to grow up and to understand. He said, you cannot take the adults from me. I got them. I got them locked down. And that's what I say about this business and everything we do. It's hard to get you adults to change your mindset. Y'all already locked down. I'm going to keep saying it, and some of y'all going to keep trying, and, and it may be the click eventually. But there's so many thoughts that you have about success and what is success in life and so many thoughts you have about your insecurities about doing something outside of the group and, you know, when the group don't, you know, it's just so many things. Like, people be, people think that the business is about just getting these customers and stuff, and it is, but it's about you overcoming your challenges about being outside of a group of people. See, now you, you're part of another group of people that is not accepted by that group you were in. And you've been so conditioned and groomed and your mindset is so that you, you it's uncomfortable for you as you get older. That's why it's hard for the older individuals to change. The devil sit here and says, Daddy, I got the old folk. I ain't even thinking about them. Because they, I got them on lock. Because they done heard my name so much. I've been to, you know, I'm so much um, that they, they on lock. He said, I'm concerned. What I'm concerned about is for that for all them to die off and the new generation come around. Because then they get, they get into the understanding. He said, I, I can't. I don't, I ain't, cannot, you can't deduct. I got them. I have them securely sold up, he said. But if you publish this confession, it would be sufficient to keep me from gaining control of the yet, the unborn, and those who have not reached the age of reason yet. You know, that age of reason comes about 10 or 11, you know, 12, 13. He said, you wouldn't dare publish what I've told you about this about the religious leaders. He said, you wouldn't do it because they're going to crucify you if you did it. So Napoleon Hill says to him, what do you mean crucify? They don't do that no more. That went out to 2,000 years ago. He said, you know, I don't mean crucifixion on the cross. I mean social and financial crucifixion. Your income would be shut off. You would become a social outcast. Religious leaders and their followers alike would treat you with scorn. If you start talking about this and what I'm saying in this book, you're done. you cooked. He said, you ain't going to do that. He said, so now, you know, this book came out after Napoleon Hill had died. You know what I'm saying? He was gone for a while, and then, you know. So he, so Napoleon Hill said to him, suppose I should choose to throw in my lot with the select few who make a pretense of using their own minds rather than the fear, fear of the masses who do not, the masses of whom you claim 98% of those people you claim. So the devil says, if you have courage enough to do this, you will crimp my style. Well, you, obviously he didn't have courage enough to put it out there because, you know, there's people right now listening saying, no, nah, that, that ain't the devil. Well, we're not saying it is. It's imaginary talk. But if you disagree with the information, then you might, that's what he's saying. He said, I ain't, you know, I know I got y'all, so I don't have to worry about y'all agreeing with none of this stuff. He said, it's the younger folks that's coming out that, that hadn't been born yet and hadn't, you know, come to this thing of reason. Um, and now, in, in parentheses, Napoleon Hill has, a chill ran down my spine when I first read this, since the circumstances uh, did indeed prevent this manuscript written in 1938 from being published until now. 
I'm sorry, not Napoleon Hill. I think his niece, whoever published it, said, well after Hill's death in 1970 was the delayed publication of this work truly caused by his wife's fear of criticism. His wife didn't want to get the criticism. Even though he was gone, she didn't want to take it. In concern over the reaction of religious leaders and the public school advocates, of or was it due to the work of the devil himself? She says, and now the family and the foundation have decided it's time to share this manuscript to the world. Shall we heed Hill's wisdom, discover our other selves, and take control of our own minds, reclaiming our destiny? So that was a parenthesis outside the, uh, the chapter I'm reading here. So here's another question. He says, why do you lay claim to no scientists? Don't you like scientists? He says, oh, yes, I like all people well enough, but true scientists are out of my reach. I can't reach true scientists. He says, why? He said, because they think for themselves, and they spend their time studying natural laws. He said, they deal with cause and effect. They deal with facts wherever they find them, but do not make the mistake of believing scientists have no religion. They do have religion. They have a very definite religion. He says, what's their religion? The religion of truth. <laughs> the religion of a natural law. If the world ever produces an accurate thinker with the ability to fathom the deeply buried secret of life and death, you can be sure that science will be responsible for that catastrophe. And so the devil's calling it a catastrophe because it would kill him. That's what he's saying. He said, because the police said, catastrophe to who? He said to me. <laughs> All right, so then the police says, let's get back to the subject of hypnotic rhythm. I want to know more about it. Is this something like the principle through which people can't hypnotize one another? He says it's precisely the same thing. I have already told you so. Why do you repeat your questions to me? So he says, that is an old worldly wisdom of, of custom of mine. He says, for your enlightenment, I will tell you I am forcing you to repeat many of your statements for the sake of emphasis. I'm also trying to see if I can catch you in a lie. Don't dodge the issue. Get back to the hypnotic rhythm and tell me all you know about it. Am I a victim of it? He says, not now, but you barely missed falling into my web. You drifted toward the whirlpool of hypnotic rhythm until you discovered how to force me into into making this confession. Then I lost control of you. When you forced me to do this, I lost control of you. He says, how interesting. Are you now trying to recapture me through flattery? He said, that would be the best bribe I could offer you is the bribe that is used effectively before you get the upper hand of me. He says, what, do you, what, what did you flatter me with? He said, with many things, chief among them, sex and the desire for self-expression. What effect did you bribe have on me? He said, they called you to neglect your major purpose in life and started you to drifting. He says, was that all you did to me? He said, that's plenty. You start drifting on anything you do. That's plenty. That's all I need. He said, that's all I want people to do is drift. That's it. And the last thing before I finish here, he says, um, what broke your spell over me and released me from the habit of drifting? He says, my answer may humiliate you. Don't you want to hear it? He says, yeah, go ahead and give it to me. <laughs> I, I wish to learn how much I, truth I can stand. He says, when you found a great love in the woman of your choice, I lost my grip on you. <laughs> he says, yeah. He, said, he says, so you're going to accuse me of hiding behind a woman's skirt? He said, no, not hiding. I would put it in that way. I would say you have learned how to give yourself a solid background with the embellishment of a woman's mind. <laughs> so before I, I continue with that, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> 
he's going to talk about how brilliant you are and the success you have if you find <laughs> and use a woman's mind. So I guess I'll stop that right there. <laughs> but no, we'll talk about that. We're going to be talking about a lot of this. That's just the that's the middle of the book. Man, it's so much, and it's all about. You know, the biggest thing he says is criticism. We're so worried about that. And he said, that's that's my biggest weapon. If y'all so worried about being criticized by, by people who are not even helping you or supporting you, even if these people didn't criticize you, they're not going to bring you a check to keep your mortgage paid or your rent paid or your power bill on or your phone bill. They're not going to do that. So you're concerned about that which is amazing that we all have been conditioned to feel and think that way. And I say we all have been conditioned to think that way. We have to work ourselves out of that condition and recondition ourselves. You know, like I said, it's a lot of things that I don't concern myself with now. You know, the criticism of people, you know, like when you guys criticism criticize me, you know, I look at it. But I understand that you have to do that, you know what I'm saying, you know, that's just a part of it. I don't, you know, I look at it. But uh, I also know, too, that most people, if they were in my shoes and operated the way I did, they would make decisions. you got to make tough decisions, to put it that way. Somebody has to make them. You know, like, even when you look at as a leader, you look at what's going on with this pandemic. People have to make tough decisions. Like, I'm sure some of the tough decisions that the governors and the mayors make, you know, are we going to shut this thing down again? Are we going to open it back up? You know, we got all these businesses shutting down. We can't close it all the way. We can't, you know, I see the guy up in Cleveland said, you know, we're going to shut down alcohol sales at 10 o'clock for the bars. Now, I'm sure he had to make a tough decision because and he's getting criticized on that. So, you know, he's probably trying to play, you know, both sides of the fence. you got to keep some people happy. We'll keep the, the restaurants and the bars open at 10 so y'all can get your alcohol and all that. But at 10 o'clock, we've got to shut it down. That's for the other people. That's a tough decision. So he's going to be criticized. Anytime you make a decision, you're going to be criticized. Anytime I make one in business, anytime I say anything, I'm going to be criticized. And you got to understand that that's just a part of it. The person that can put that on their shoulders and say, okay, y'all going to talk about me, you know, but I'm going to keep moving. The dogs may bark, but the caravan <laughs> keeps moving on. All right, folks, that's it. All she wrote, the pen and the pencil broke this morning. Let's see if my computer is still not acting correctly. I don't think it is, man. I might, we might not even have, have the contest. I know that's what y'all on here for. Like, wait a minute, hold on. We can't have a contest. Let's see here. Can we do it? Let's see if does this work. Look I'm like looking what? Okay. We'll stop that then. Okay. Think we good. All right, so here we go. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for the money? Now, see, I don't know. I think we just started on Friday, so I think it's only one person that's up now, $5, unless somebody else is up $5. <clears throat> um. Unless somebody else is up five hundred dollars, I don't know who else. I mean, five dollars, not five hundred. <laughs> not five hundred, but uh, unless somebody's up, uh, I know the one young lady who won Saturday. Was it Saturday? No, was it Friday? I'm lost. Hold on a second. 
down. Who's up? We just started a new one, right? Anybody got five dollars yet? All right, well, then nobody knows, then it's a brand new one, then, so we... I do, I do. Who has $5? I know I do. Who is that? When you're this is Sylvie. Oh, okay, Sylvie got it, all right. Let me tell y'all a story about what happened to me. Hold on a second on this song. This is a story that happened to me when I was in New York. Hold on a second. All right, before I play this song, I'm going to tell you the story about how this, what happened to me <laughs> uh, with this, well, you know, why I'm playing this song here. So I was in, in New York for about two or three weeks. This was in the late 80s. Having a good time, partying all the time. And um, I went to this club called Nails. You know, y'all see, y'all saw the video of Nails with Biggie. And when Biggie did that first song he had. Was in, now, Nails was kind of fading at that time. I guess that was 93, 92. Because Nails was big. At one point, I mean, it was big then. It was big then, but it was probably fading at that one point. But in the late 80s, you know, Nails was the spot, man. And so that was the first time I ever been to a club where upstairs was just solid jazz. I mean, it was just like they had a live jazz band. You know, I'm talking about the whole the whole shebang. I mean, I'm talking about like uh, violins. The uh, harp. I mean, this guy—they had a whole band upstairs. So, and I was into jazz, and so when we first went there, I went there with some friends. I'm upstairs, you know, um, just listening to the jazz band because I was into it. I mean, I was right down the front row asking them to play requests, and I mean, I was just really into it. I didn't know that downstairs was where the party was at. <laughs> so I'm upstairs listening to the jazz. And having a good time, man. And then they said, let's go downstairs. I said, okay. So I figured we go down there, there's going to be some more, you know, jazz. And we went down there, man. They they were rocking down there. They had, you know, two or three DJs. They had four or five tables, turntables moving at the same time. I mean, it was, it was popping down there. I mean, it was, you know, it's just, it was something different for me because I hadn't experienced that. You know, I experienced, you know, two-level clubs, but not one with just straight jazz. And so it was a whole different crew upstairs almost than the one downstairs. You know, some of those stayed up there. But as soon as I went downstairs to the party club, this song was playing. And, man, they they were rocking, man, because this song was hot at the time. I mean, every I mean, they might have played this song 10, 15 minutes and started over and played it again and again. But my story goes, after the club was, you know, when the everybody was getting ready to leave the club, it might have been 2 or 3 in the morning, the people I was with broke camp. You know, I'm like, dang. So I was kind of down my own. Now, I'm in New York, don't know where I'm going. And, I, uh, you know, it was a guy that I was kind of talking to the whole night. He said, man, let's go to this other spot. I said, what other spot? He said, you know, I, I can't remember where it was. It was somewhere in Harlem probably. It was it was a, uh, it was a uh, what do you call those, underground club. So I'm thinking, man, I'm going over here this dude. I don't really know him, but. You know, at that time, I was a good time in Tony. So it didn't matter. <laughs> I'm in New York. Now, think about this. No cell phone. It really wasn't no pages. The only pager they had at that time was the one that you could call somebody and they hear your voice. But you really didn't have those. Only businesses had those pages. So you didn't really have any. So I'm just out. You know, the only way I can reach somebody is go to a pay phone or something and try to call somebody. You know, but 
I'm out. So I get to this club, man. It was an underground club, and they playing the same song in there. I mean, over and over. And, I mean, it's just, I mean, it just, that song was just hot. And uh, and I remember getting ready to leave the club, and dude was gone. And I'm like, oh man. I remember trying to get. I'm asking dudes to give me a ride back, and I'm in the I'm in Manhattan, a long way from there. <sighs> And I finally got this cab to just take me there. And when I got ready to pull up, he said, he told me how much. I said, man, I don't have no money. He's in the hotel room. Boy, he got to cussing me out. I mean, he got he cussing me out hard, man. I mean, he just, he wouldn't let me out. The bellhop at the hotel had to come out and stand there till I went upstairs to the hotel to get the money out of the room because that's where I was and I came back and paid it. So I just thought about that. So long story short, that's it. You know, I'm just saying that during that time, this song was really hot. So here we go. This is a song. Y'all got to tell me what it is. They played it over and over and over. You got to tell me the name of the song and the name of the group. All right? Here we go. This is a journey into sound. This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value. When all is ready, I throw this switch. Pump up the volume, pump up the volume. Pump that bass. I need money. I used to be a stick up kid, so I think of all the devious things I did. So I walk up the street, whistling this, feeling out of place, cause man do I miss. A pen and a paper, a stereo, a taper, me and Eric being a nice big plate of this, which is my favorite dish, but without no money it's still a wish. Cause I don't like to dream about getting paid, so I dig into the books of the rhymes that I made. Soon as I test to see if I got pulled, hit the studio, cause I'm paid in full. Bye. 
volume, pump up the volume. Wait a minute, you better talk to my mother. Yeah. 